At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote countdown with keith olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Where do you want to start? Trump threatening the president of the United States? Trump threatening Judge Arthur Engeron's clerk? Trump threatening Judge Arthur Engeron's wife? Trump threatening Obamacare again? Trump threatening to prosecute MSNBC? Trump thus explaining how Biden could prosecute Fox News? Trump threatening Jack Smith? Congressman Scott Perry's spider web being revealed? Congressman Clay Ghostbus Higgins threatening Jack Smith? Or Elon Musk threatening everybody? Okay, let's do Musk. He's funnier. Because if he wasn't self-destructing when he endorsed the anti-Semitic Great Replacement Theory last week, or if he wasn't self-destructing when he endorsed Pizzagate on Tuesday, he sure was self-destructing at the New York Times Deal Book Summit yesterday. Oh, and my congrats to interviewer Andrew Ross Sorkin for not getting any of it on him when Musk turned into a human debris field. There's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour, if you will, that this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But... Go fuck yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well, let me ask you then. Sorkin's let me ask you then at the end there. That is deserving of a bonus of one million dollars. Musk's ultimate point there was that if Twitter X goes bankrupt, the public won't blame him. They'll blame the advertisers. An aside to Elmo, if Twitter X goes bankrupt, why do you assume the public will want to blame anybody and not just, you know, cheer? And a more serious aside to X's, quote, CEO, unquote, Linda Yaccarino. Linda, I know a place here in the city we can get your boy in for a CAT scan and an MRI of his head on very short notice. And another aside to President Biden. I get that we need his rockets to deliver material to the space station, and I get that his communication relays are more secure than our militaries, but Musk is having a breakdown. He is therefore a security risk. The government has to terminate all the contracts with his companies. We have no idea what Musk will do next. If we see him next week in uniform 
in a tank running Russia's second guards Spetsnaz brigade attacking Ukraine, it wouldn't surprise a single damn soul in the world. When I was a kid, we were so poor that we could only afford one conspiracy theory. That conspiracy theory was that something new the government was doing, fluoridation of the water to improve the nation's dental health. No, that was actually a Russian plot to poison the minds of American children and mothers so that the kids would grow up to, I don't know, favor communism or murder their parents or think their crappy hairstyles weren't crappy at all. I, I, I don't know. It was such a stupid conspiracy theory that it was even made into a plot point of the most bitterly, dangerously cynical movie of all time, what is still Hollywood's only nuclear war satire, Dr. Strangelove. But you know, when I hear Musk and Trump and these MAGA idiots talk like this, I'm thinking, hey... Maybe there was something to that fluoridation is a plot thing because we sure do have a lot of angry, stupid people all of a sudden. Quote, Joe Biden should stop his election interfering thugs before it is too late for him and the rest of the country. Trump, of course. Trump, who in this scenario must have chugged pure fluoride every day until he was 30. This is stochastic terror threat number what, 1,000, 2,000? I don't know. There is nothing subtle about this one. Trim the filling, and what Trump wrote was, Joe Biden should stop before it is too late for him. And that is a threat. And if you wrote that somewhere in public, depending on your rap sheet and your past mental health, Secret Service would stop by your house for a visit today. And Trump's rap sheet includes manifest and growing clinical insanity. Oh, and the attempt to violently overthrow the government of the United States. In the same post, quote, he's got the Justice Department and others suing me. It opens up a very big and dangerous Pandora's box, which is yet another stochastic call for somebody to attack the Justice Department or its leaders or Jack Smith or all of the above to say nothing of what, if he keeps saying it this loudly this often, voters might actually notice is the hundredth repetition of his promise that he will actually do what he is falsely claiming is being done to him, what he already did do on a small scale, namely to use the DOJ as a personal tool for revenge and suppression of any political opposition. Now, as to the attacks on Judge Engeron's clerk and wife, we have Judge David Friedman of the New York State Intermediate Appeals Court who stayed the gag order Engeron imposed on Dementia J. Trump to thank for this. Quote, Judge Engeron's Trump-hating wife, together with his very disturbed and angry law clerk, have taken over control of the New York State witch hunt trial aimed at me. Again, that is the clerk Trump doxed and now threatened, and now he has added to the process Engeron's wife. Five times in just four minutes yesterday, Trump posted screenshots evidently sent to him by the lunatic Laura Loomer, screenshots of posts from a Twitter X account with various anti-Trump memes and nothing original or serious. I mean, not even as serious as the stuff I post, for Christ's sakes. Five separate Twitter X posts over which Trump writes, this is the judge's wife saying this, and another from Judge Engeron's wife. And yet another from Judge Engeron's wife and Judge Engeron's wife. And finally, he ran out and just repeated Judge Engeron's wife. Spoiler alert. It's not Judge Engeron's wife. 22 days ago, she told Newsweek, quote, I do not have a Twitter account. This is not me. I have not posted any anti-Trump messages. The only thing that even possibly remotely kind of might be evidence that Loomer and Trump are offering that she is lying is that her first name, just her first name, is the same as the first name, just the first name, that is used on the Twitter account in question. And if a first name is conclusive evidence, then Keith Richards and Keith Rupert Murdoch sure have written some dumb things on Twitter in their time. And even if 
Mrs. Engeron really is lying boldly and on the record to Newsweek and with no wiggle room. Of course, as we know, what a judge's wife does in her life or on social media is immediate grounds for the judge's impeachment. Right, Ginny Thomas? I no longer sound like a broken record about this topic. I now am a broken record about this topic. Trump is spending less and less time actually working on those clever subtleties that have kept his threats just on the right side of making him liable for arrest immediately by the nearest police officer. His mind is also unquestionably deteriorating, and it seems to be doing so in a manner that is denying him what little sleep he normally gets, and which must have scared him at some point recently, and which has compelled him to find decreasingly plausible excuses for the sudden unreliability of his previously excellent feral animal instincts, like the nonsense that calling Biden Obama 20 times in a row was sarcasm. Sounded like when he said sarcasm, Trump had given up. That Trump is now a manifest threat to not just Biden and Jack Smith and the judges and the judge's wife and everybody else in this country. Now, never mind if he regains power later, this is obvious. What we can do about it is less obvious. The collective we seems to continue to place its faith in either self-destruction by Trump or prosecution of Trump. And the latter is at the whim of a thousand components and nearly as many calendars. And as to the former, to paraphrase the perfect British sitcom, The Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin, Dame self-destruction is a perverse mistress. Court her and she hides behind her skirt. Avoid her and she seeks thee. Congressman Scott Perry of Pennsylvania has been avoiding Dame self-destruction for nearly three years now. And guess what? It now looks like she has just caught up with him. Special Counsel Smith wants and wants to use what is in the Perry cell phone, famously seized by the FBI in August 2022. And thanks to a court filing unsealed last night, Perry turns out to have had a lot in his cell phone. In fact, he might as well have been the switchboard operator at Coup Central. POTUS seems very happy with your response. I read it just as you dictated. Perry texted at 11.08 p.m. on December 30th, 2020 to the would-be Attorney General Jeffrey Clark. I'm praying, replied Clark, the one who wanted to, you know, seize the voting machines and invoke the Insurrection Act to kill any protesters using the U.S. military. This makes me quite nervous and wonder if I'm worthy or ready Clark texted back. Should have been nervous, Jeff, because guess what? You weren't worthy. You are the man, Perry reassures Clark. I have confirmed it. God does what he does for a reason, unquote. Listen, whoever did that, boy, it damn sure wasn't God. So, Congressman Perry is in the middle of the seize the voting machines coup, and there's also texts with Ronna McDaniel from 18 days earlier about ways to overturn the election. So Ronna McDaniel is more connected to this than we knew. And Perry texted a former colleague at DOJ with the wonderful name Gassaway about having Mike Pence halt the vote count on January 6th to, quote, admit testimony about the electoral slates. And he's texted with the infamous Simone Gold who not only fought COVID vaccines, but was also at the Capitol on January 6th. And Perry texted supposed cybersecurity experts working with Sidney Powell. In short, there is a reason Scott Perry has fought so hard to get the goddamned phone back. He is neck deep in every aspect of every Trump coup attempt. If he's smart, which he isn't, he would flip before he gets a dozen 10-year sentences for his offenses. Back to Trump and the less murderous of his threats from his orgy yesterday. He was good enough to, having brought back the threat to destroy Obamacare, then dropped it when he realized it was phenomenally popular and his efforts to repeal it reminded everybody of his abject failure to do so. 
Now he's brought it back again. Second time in a week. I don't want to terminate Obamacare. I want to replace it with much better health care. Oh, and then the last sentence, quote, Obamacare sucks, which I don't think quite lines up with the claim that he doesn't want to terminate it, but goes back to my earlier point that it seems like he stopped trying to write something clever. In this threat equivalent of throwing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and the spare bottle of ketchup against the wall, Trump did do us another favor. The attack on MSNBC that I mentioned earlier not only proved Trump's imbecility on certain really simple things, but it also proved his imbecility on certain really large things. As the continuing claim that his vice president could overturn the Electoral College slates from almost any state means, in theory, that in January 2025, Kamala Harris could overturn the Electoral College slates from almost any state inconvenient to President Biden, so does this attack on the network I created, actually providing a template for how, if Biden really wanted to, he could shut down Fox News tomorrow. I'll read what Trump actually wrote, and I will add, or Fox News, or other alternatives, and you'll see what I'm getting at. Again, Trump never says Fox News here or any of the other alternates. That's a dramatic license. But here it goes. Quote, MSNBC and Fox News use free government approved airwaves. And yet it is nothing but a 24 hour hit job for purposes of election interference. Brian Roberts, its chairman and CEO or Rupert or Lachlan Murdoch or both is a slime ball who has been able to get away with these constant attacks for years. It is the world's biggest political contribution to the radical left Democrats, or fascist Republicans, who, by the way, are destroying our country. Our so-called government should come down hard on them and make them pay for their illegal political activity. Unquote. You get my point. It doesn't occur to Trump, nor the MAGA cult, that if the government could or can during a second Trump dictatorship, come down hard on MSNBC, it can come down hard on Fox News right now. I mean, I've said before here, I think it should. At least it should try, if only to see the startled rage on Trump's face. Also, frog-marching Jesse Waters would be nice. But of course, contained in that threat against MSNBC is something else utterly delightful. By 1975, the number of American homes with cable television crossed the 10 million mark. By 1984, it was 30 million. By the day I started at SportsCenter, it was 55 million. And the day I started at MSNBC, it was 64 million. In 2016, it peaked at 97 million subscribers. Even now, cable is still north of 70 million. And through all of this history... Trump still hasn't figured out that cable doesn't use free government-approved airwaves. It uses cables. That's why they call it cable, Donald. Now be a good boy and drink your ketchup and your fluoride. Okay, that's the whole roundup, the whole threat assessment. Uh, no, wait, I promised you Congressman Clay Higgins, who still has not followed up on his promise of conclusive proof that January 6th was just government plants shuttled to the Capitol on ghost buses. Congressman Higgins is a moron, a college dropout, a former used car dealer, and an ex-cop fired because he was too violent and he lied too much even for Opelousas City, Louisiana. And now... He has gone on one of the fascist propaganda streaming channels and announced that special counsel Jack Smith's, quote, days are numbered. Let me say regarding Jack Smith and his request for another list of American citizens under some alleged uh, legitimate investigative effort. Uh, I'm, I consider it a badge of honor to be on another one of Jack Smith's list. So I just say that his, his days are numbered. And American patriots are not going to stand idly by, good sir. That is not even a stochastic threat against Jack Smith. 
arrest Clay Higgins today. And if his threat against a federal prosecutor is insufficient for that somehow, there's got to be something we can charge him with for that still unfulfilled bullshit about ghost buses on January 6th. Are you familiar with, with, you know what a ghost vehicle is? Director, director of the FBI certainly should. You know what a ghost bus is? A ghost bus? Ghost bus. I'm not sure I've used that term before. Okay. Well, it's pretty common in, in law enforcement. It's a, it's a vehicle that's, that's used for secret purposes. It's painted over. These two buses in the middle here, they were the first to arrive at Union Station on January 6th, 0500. I have all this evidence. I'm showing you a tip of this iceberg. Mr. Chairman. These two buses Mr. are Chairman. painted completely white. Point of order. This is a very significant hearing, Mr. Chairman. And these buses are nefarious in nature and were filled with FBI informants dressed as Trump supporters. You, and you deployed onto our capital on January 6th. You made, your day you is your, coming, Mr. Your Ray. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Ghost buses. Ghost buses. Oh, Nancy. <laughs> Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! Thank you, Nancy Faust! Also of interest here, I'm back on Twitter X. And it's all thanks to the firm hand of Lauren Boebert. That's next. This is Countdown. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In Sports Dateline Florham Park, New Jersey. Good news, everyone. Aaron Rodgers, who long-suffering but always gullible New York Jets fans thought was their savior, and then he tore his Achilles like 13 seconds into his Jets career, actually practiced yesterday. 
a mere 11 weeks after surgery on that Achilles. The record return is five months. And he didn't tear it again, nor did he trip out on some psychedelic tea. The media was not allowed to take photos or video of Aaron Rodgers because NFL reporters are servile nincompoops and the commissioner of the league is slightly to the right of Attila the Hun when it comes to press freedom. But Rodgers thinks he might play as early as December 24th, depending on how he feels and depending on what the Jets' playoff chances are. No, no, this year. Well, what the Jets' playoffs' chances are this year is there aren't any. They are 4-7, and seven, and they suck. Also, also, Aaron Rodgers turns 40 years old on Saturday. Thank you, Nancy Faust. Line baseball land. No news on the free agent Shohei Otani, except that every writer and every fan associated with every club he might join is convinced he will join that team. He'll be a busy beaver next year, won't he? Playing for 22 different clubs at the same time. Meanwhile, the New York Yankees have reportedly been so intent on signing the free agent pitching star Yoshinobu Yamamoto of Japan that they have not assigned his Japanese league's uniform number 18 to any Yankee player for more than a year. That's according to SNY.com, and they say it is deliberate. Just one last potential perk, one little final straw that could tip Yamamoto's decision in the Yankees' favor. But as the folks at the Uniform website, UniWatch, note, what about the other teams viewed as potential favorites to sign Yamamoto? The Cubs? Well, they also don't have anybody wearing number 18 at the moment. Nor do the Diamondbacks, nor the Dodgers, or the Giants, or the Padres, or the Rangers, or the Red Sox. The Cardinals have a number 18 outfielder, Jordan Walker. The Marlins have one, Cade Marlowe. The Phillies have one, Johan Rojas. The Tigers have Tyler Nevin. One expects that any of those players would give up or sell off their number. And the Orioles, they have a number 18 as well. Manager Brandon Hyde wears number 18. And if you told him that he would have to wear number 11 billion to get Yamamoto on the Orioles, Hyde would stitch the number 11 billion on his uniform himself. The one team that finds itself in a hole here is, inevitably, naturally, forever, the New York Mets. They do not have anybody wearing number 18, and so they would seem to be in as just a good a position as the Yankees or those other teams I mentioned, but that's because during the season upcoming, they will be retiring uniform number 18 in honor of their ill-fated outfielder of the 1980s, Daryl Strawberry, the Daryl Daryl guy. Since Strawberry left the Mets as a free agent in a bitter exchange after the 1990 season, the Mets have given out his number 18 19 times, including to such immortal players as Todd Haney and Nick Plummer and Jeff Barry and Jeff D'Amico and Ryan Cordell. And I have been following the Mets since the 1967 season, and frankly, I have no earthly clue who Ryan Cordell was, and he was with them only three years ago. So if the uniform number is actually decisive to the free agent pitcher Yamamoto, the Mets have a choice to make. Not sign Yamamoto, or talk the often ornery and troubled strawberry into deferring his number being retired, or making it, the number is retired. Except for this guy. And if that isn't the most Mets thing ever, honest to God, after all this time, I don't want to know what is. of us on countdown oh whenever i think about baseball free agents at this time of year i remember the damnedest moment of my career when baseball's in-house network offered me my own show there and a contract and then one of the teams found out about it and threatened to rip the network's cameras out of their stadium if they hired me it's not a team known for a sense of humor nor recently anyway for winning 
nor for anything much except fascism. Things I promised not to tell coming up, including the name of that team. First time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. Worse, Sean Hannity, the Fox News resident Teletubby, who has spent much of the last two years talking about the alleged cognitive decline of President Biden. Hannity's guest was Congressman James Comer. You'll remember him. He's the one who publicly gave Hunter Biden the choice of testifying to his committee to obstruct justice, either in a private deposition or at a public hearing. And when the president's son on Tuesday chose the public hearing, Congressman Comer said, no, you can't do that, even though I said you could. Anyway, back to the part about cognitive decline. Hannity welcomed Congressman Comer by saying, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer is with us. Good to see you, Senator. Senator? He's Congressman. What was that again about cognitive decline, Sean? Worser, Casey DeSantis, the wife of Ron DeSantis. Remember Ron DeSantis? Anyway, she went on something called the Simon Conway Show, and she said this about her hubby. Ron DeSantis, how he fights. He is literally willing to put himself in front of a freight train to stand up for the people of his state and this country. Literally? Literally. Excellent. Let's go. Get him out on those train tracks. In fact, that Republican debate upcoming, let's see if they're all literally willing to put themselves in front of a freight train. Hold the debate on the tracks. The Alabama Southern runs right past the University of Alabama where they're supposed to debate. Let's go! Train tracks, everybody! Moron. But our winner, the worst, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Here I was, minding my own business on my first full day, having mostly left Twitter X, save for the dog account, And then somebody sent me the link to her tweet saying nobody on Twitter X would miss me. And while I was on the site reading her idiocy, I find out Musk deleted his Pizzagate tweet like I wanted him to. Well, there went my excuse for getting out of that hellhole. So endeth the boycott. Tweeting has resumed. Alert the media. And just a quick personal aside to Congresswoman Boebert, get a grip on yourself. Or on some guy you barely know in a theater. Learn how to handle yourself in public, madam. Still, I guess I owe some measure of gratitude to Bobo, so I'll say this. Thank you, Lauren Boebert, for giving the story of my Twitter exodus such a happy ending. Congressman woman Lauren Bobert. Let's hear it for the Congresswoman. Let's give the Congresswoman a hand. Today's worst person in the world. Is that a hand in your pocket or you're just glad to see me? At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. 
You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Just ahead, things I promised not to tell. Ah, the dreadful cusp of November and December, and it gets dark early, and you remember holidays past, good and bad. And I remember the year that a Major League Baseball team got me fired from a job I hadn't even started yet. Next. First time to feature another great dog in need that you can help. Every dog has its day. Myra arrived at the notorious pound in DeVore, California, pregnant and with tapeworms. The good news is they've treated the tapeworms. The puppies are due shortly. They're expected to be healthy. And Myra is on the kill list. The mind reels. Myra is a gentle and loving German shepherd, and she needs a foster or an adopter in that area, DeVore, California, or at least our pledges to help a rescue organization get her and her unborn babies out of that place. You can find pictures and video and links about Myra on my account for dogs in need at Tom Jumbo Grumbo. And if you can't pledge, your retweet will help too. Myra thanks you, her puppies to be thank you, and I thank you. Owners of at least five different Major League Baseball teams have tried to get me fired over the years, and one, the New York Yankees, kind of succeeded. On November 26, 2012, my agent followed the instructions of Tony Petiti, then the president of the TV publicity channel owned by Major League Baseball, MLB Network, and called Petiti to finalize a deal by which I would join the channel to do a daily show, probably at 5.30 at night. It was going to be weird. MLB Network and its sister hockey channel, NHL Network, originate in the same studios in Secaucus, New Jersey, that MSNBC used every day from the day I started there in October 1997 through the day in October 2007 when NBC finally moved us to New York City. I had been asked to do something for MLB Network in 2008 and 2009 before it ever got on the air. The request came directly from the then Commissioner of Baseball, Bud Selig. He also asked me to write for baseball's website, MLB.com. We actually got that done, but the TV show was impossible because of my schedule until I was a free agent in the fall of 2012. So I was invited in the fall of 2012 to do a couple of guest appearances at MLB Network, and they went well, except for this crazy deja vu kind of thing that hit me when I went into the building and found that while baseball had spent $60 million to upgrade all the technical stuff and the studio designs, they had not touched anything else from the MSNBC era. The carpet tiles were the same. The ping pong table in the break room was the same. The signs on the back of the bathroom door telling you who to call if the John overflows were the same. It was like having a dream where you're back in your childhood home and everything is exactly the way it was, including the creaks and the floorboards, except, oh, by the way, there's a nuclear reactor in the middle of your den and you keep saying, where did that come from? Anyway, the guest appearances on MLB Network went well, and this guy, Petiti, the president, asked if I would fill in for two days on their new morning show the week of Thanksgiving 2012. I certainly knew how to get to the building. I did the shows with Brian Kenny and Ken Rosenthal and Bob Costas's son, Keith, and Alana Rizzo, and we had a good time. And Tony Petiti, the president of MLB Network, attended the meetings that we would have before and after each show. I mean, full staff meetings, 15 or so people standing around a bunch of cubicles. And in front of all of them, 
Tony Petiti began asking me if I thought my new show for MLB Network would do better at 5 or 5.30, and if I agreed with him that I should work only during the baseball season and spring training and playoffs and winter meetings and then stay fresh by taking the rest of the year off. He asked me if there were people on the staff of the morning show who I would like to work with. I mean, this is in front of all of the staff of the morning show. He warned me they couldn't pay me the kind of salary I was used to, and I said that happily the kind of salary I was used to meant I did not need the kind of salary I was used to. He told me to remind my agent to call him the Monday after Thanksgiving. He wished me a happy turkey, and everybody left, and everybody heard his plans, and a couple of the producers asked me if I was recommending them to be on my new show on MLB Network. So how come I don't have a new show on MLB Network? Or how come we're not celebrating the 10th anniversary of my new show on MLB Network? Well, on Monday afternoon, my agent calls me and says he's just gotten off the phone with Tony Petiti, and it was the strangest conversation he had had since he became an agent. No, let me rephrase that, he said, because it wasn't a conversation. It was an attempted conversation. I kept asking him what he told me to call him about, and he would then say, nothing. Initially, I did not understand. What do you mean he said nothing? My agent said he meant literally that. I say, so Tony, what's your offer to Keith? And then there was silence. And I thought the phone call had dropped out. So I said, Tony, are you there? And he say, sure am. So again, I ask him, you know, what's your offer to Keith? And again, literally, silence. Only this time I can hear him breathing. I tried like 10 different ways. Are we talking about Keith now? Silence. Is there a reason you're being silent about Keith, Tony? Silence. If I changed the subject, talked about somebody else, he was his normal self. If I mentioned your name, he went silent. The next day, the agent calls me back. Petiti just did this again with me on the phone. He wouldn't speak, literally wouldn't say any words in any language if I mentioned your name. Took me a long time to find out what had actually happened. The next baseball season, after I'd gone back to work at ESPN, I'm at a game. There's one of the MLB network officials whom I'd met on my two days before Thanksgiving 2012, and this person comes up to me and apologizes. We all heard what happened. It's so embarrassing. Petiti is such a coward. The Yankees got to him. And another club. I never found out which one. There was some kind of conference call a Monday after Thanksgiving to tell the teams about your new show, and whoever was on the call for the Yankees went ballistic. They said something like, if you put him on MLB Network, we will disable your cameras at Yankee Stadium and never let any of you inside the building again. Instantly, I knew why the Yankees would have done that. I was, and my father before me, a season ticket holder for 42 years for Yankee games. And for 10 of those years, I was also one of the two announcers who did a kind of play-by-play over the public address system at Yankee Stadium on Old Timers Day. And then one day in 2011, I tweeted a photo of a Yankee employee in the stands giving some sort of hand signals to Alex Rodriguez in the on-deck circle. The guy was clearly telling Alex Rodriguez what the last pitch had been. It wasn't cheating. It was helping a supposed superstar who apparently could not figure out for himself from on the field what the last pitch had been. I tweeted the photo. Major League Baseball called the Yankees and told them to cut it out. The Yankees and A-Rod looked stupid in the newspapers. And the Yankees management said they were not mad at me. And then three months later, days before Old Timers Day, they leaked to the papers that I had been fired as Old Timers Day play-by-play man because I had tweeted that photo of Alex Rodriguez and the guy in the stands. So... Rather naturally, my response was to not renew my season tickets, and my tickets were right behind home plate, and they cost like $400,000 a year, and relax. I gave about 70% of them to make a wish. But the Yankees, being the Yankees, were furious that I would not give them $400,000 a year anyway, so they told MLB Network if MLB Network gave me a show, they would unplug MLB Network's cameras. Actually, they did more than that. I asked my friend, the MLB Network official, the real puzzler of the saga, why this MLB Network president, Tony Petiti, literally would not speak, would not say anything, not even deals off to my agent. Oh, the official said, the Yankees were specific about that. If you say anything to him or his people, we will get you fired. 
So Fatidi took it literally. He said if you called or your agent called to just give you the silent treatment. These are adults, mind you. And they say that on-air talent are the prima donnas. As I said, the Yankees are the closest of five different teams who tried to have actually gotten me fired, sort of. When I was in local news in Los Angeles, Jackie Autry, the woman who went from being Gene Autry's banker to being his second wife, tried to get me fired from my station in L.A. because I had criticized their team, the California Angels. She tried again a few years later after I got to ESPN. Then there were the Tampa Bay Rays, well, the Devil Rays at that point, whose first owner, Vince Namoli, was convinced I had a vendetta against his team and was making up stories about them that were accidentally true. He could not conceive that somebody in his organization who he paid actually hated him so much that this person called me up and volunteered to feed me anything bad that went on there. But that is exactly what happened. So that's the Yankees, the Angels, and the Rays. And there's a mystery fifth team that was also involved in the MLB Network thing. And then there were the Chicago White Sox. One of their co-owners, Eddie Einhorn, was a big fan of mine, but for 44 years. The team has been run by the other co-owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. And Jerry Reinsdorf was one of the key figures in the strike that killed the 1994 baseball season. During that terrible winter that followed, my sources in the Baseball Players Association showed me a copy of their offer to the owners. The owners were led by Reinsdorf. And in the players' offer, they were willing to actually negotiate one of the players' union's sacred cows, salary arbitration. They were willing to cut it or maybe eliminate it outright. But after complaining about salary arbitration for 20 years, the owners' committee, led by this Reinsdorf idiot, turned the players down. Apparently, most of the owners did not know that Reinsdorf had passed on a chance to eliminate salary arbitration, a kind of automatic inflation thing within baseball contracts. And they came down on Reinsdorf like a ton of bricks. What do you mean you turned down the chance to stop salary arbitration? So naturally, he blamed me. And he called up ESPN and he demanded they fire me, which to their credit, they never did do. Revenge is a dish which people of taste prefer to eat cold, goes the old Italian proverb. Reinsdorf is today despised within baseball. He has once again ruined the Chicago White Sox. The Tampa Bay Rays owner, Namoli, sold the team, unknowingly obviously, to a man named Stuart Sternberg, who turned out to be married to a friend of mine from college, so whenever the Rays would come into New York, I would sit with Stu and his wife Lisa in their box. Their eldest son interned for me. MLB Network, which started out pretty good, is now just a propaganda machine in which every team is unbeaten and every player is the greatest ever, and they fired their best reporter, Ken Rosenthal, because he dared to write something critical of the idiot commissioner, Robert Manfred. And Mr. Reneg on the offer, Petiti, he really got his. Three years later, he was promoted to deputy commissioner of baseball, but that new commissioner, Manfred, squeezed him out. And he had to go work as the president of some e-sports company in 2020. And then they offed him a year later. And I have not heard anything about Tony Petiti since. Literally. It's been absolute silence. Not a single spoken word. And why does that sound so familiar? done all the damage i can do here thank you for listening countdown has come to you from the vin scully studios at the elberman broadcasting empire in new york countdown i mean all i said about the steinbrenner family was after george steinbrenner died and first hank steinbrenner and then hal steinbrenner ran the franchise into the ground all i said was that for me to actually believe that hank and hal were george's sons and george was a great friend of mine all i would need would be to see the paternity tests is that such a bad thing to have said? Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music. Mr. Chanel handled orchestration and keyboards. Mr. Ray was on the guitars, the bass, and the drums. It was produced by TKO Brothers. I mean, Hank Steinbrenner, who tried it first, ran the Yankees for a couple of years and then said, I'm no good at this, and he lit up another cigarette, and he quit. 
and he let Hal take over, and Hal's not any good at it either, and he's still running the damn thing into the ground. Is that so bad to say that? I guess I'm a bad guy. Other music, including some of the Beethoven compositions, were arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music is courtesy of ESPN Inc., and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, and we call it the Olderman theme from ESPN2. Our satirical and pithy musical comments are by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Stevie Van Zant. Everything else was pretty much my fault. I didn't even mention the brother-in-law who was supposed to run the team. The guy at Swindle was his name, appropriately enough for the Steinbrenner family, and and why he didn't wind up running the team. I didn't mention any of those grisly details. Man, Yankees thin-skinned bastards. That's countdown for this, the 1,059th day since Dementia J. Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Convict him now while we still can. By the way, Trump was a Yankee fan. He used to call up and get free tickets from the Yankees all the time. He and Giuliani used to sit there, sometimes Bill O'Reilly. And they only went for free because with all that money, of course, you don't actually spend money. That's how you get to have all the money that you don't actually have, which is why he's in court. going to go to jail. Okay, convict him now while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow, if I ever finish this one. Bulletins is the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, good luck. And as the manager, former manager of the Yankees, Ralph Houck, once said about the team when I complimented him on being the Yankee manager when I was a kid, so he'd always be in my mind, the first Yankee manager, he said, thank you and don't take this personally, but piss on the Yankees. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 